ATV Talk, the podcast presents Inspired. Sit down with your host, Leonard Duncan, as he interviews men and women whose stories are so inspirational that they need to be shared. Hopefully, their stories may inspire you and create a change. Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years, with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports Tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV dampener with better control and handling with an upgraded vein and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Mark Notman, welcome to ATV Talk. Thank you so much for taking some time out with us. Thanks, Leonard. Uh, glad to be here. And, uh, you know, I've listened to... Uh, not all of the episodes you've done, but a uh, good bit of them. And uh, yeah, happy to be here and uh, give you some insight on the uh, the world I live, I guess. <laughs> I want to know, brother. I want to know. Hey, that being said, um, you're behind the scenes famous, I would assume, in our industry as far as uh, being a seven-time champion, as far as being the mechanic for Walker Fowler. And now you have uh, Hunter Hart. So that makes you a celebrity behind the scenes. Walker says I'm more famous than he is sometimes, but I don't, I don't see it. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's definitely been quite the journey. Um, you know, being on with Walker for the last, this was uh, just finished up our ninth, ninth season and uh, with our seventh GNCC championship. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And then uh, obviously this last year and a little bit of 2020 started helping Hunter Hart out and, uh, you know, helping him out with some suspension stuff in the beginning. And then that transpired into doing his full, you know, full builds and full bike prep, uh, for all the GNCCs. And then also, uh, been helping out my longtime buddy, Johnny Gallagher, um, been working on his stuff since like 2013. Um, if you ask him, he, uh, he would have retired probably uh, at the end of 14, I think, because he was just overworking on his stuff and just didn't want to do it anymore. So that's uh, that's when I started taking over his stuff. And, um, yeah, seven, seven years later, he's still racing. So it's pretty cool. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Um, how did you get started in the ATV world? Uh, my dad actually raced um i don't know how how many years he raced he started out on uh dirt bikes actually back it up before that he was in the dirt track racing circuit track with uh with cars then uh he got himself a dirt bike and then uh, a couple a couple buddies had uh four wheelers so he started racing uh 250r in the late 80s and then uh started on a yamaha banshee in the early 90s um he uh, got hooked up with Kim Coonley at the local races. Um, I'm sure you know Kim, and uh, he actually helped Kim on uh, all his race stuff, you know, kind of as Kim's mechanic. And we'd go up, you know, one night a week and help Kim on the on his Banshee. And uh, so, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's where my, I guess, uh, mechanic and I guess started off was helping my dad and Kim on, uh, on Kim's bike and, but yeah, my dad raced, my brother raced, uh, my brother's a couple years older than I am. And, um, 
I started racing at the age of five and yeah, haven't looked back since. So when you raced, um, how far did you get? How far up the ladder did you go? Uh, so back then, uh, GNCC didn't have used stuff. So it was all, uh, all local stuff. It's called uh, CRA series. It's uh, Northeast Ohio series. Raced it until, uh, you know, obviously I got up to uh, big quad and started doing the GNCCs when I was 16 uh, in the open B class. And I uh, actually worked my way all the way up into the pro ranks, raced uh, XC1 for two years, 2011, 2012. And uh, at the end of 2012, I decided to hang it up and uh, pick up the wrenches, I guess. What was the contributing factor for you going to the wrench side versus the rider side? Um, had a couple rough years, I guess you'd say, um, 2009. Um, and then just never really bounced back after that. And, uh, I guess just financially a little bit, uh, you know, I couldn't, couldn't do it anymore at the end of 12. And honestly, it was just a little burnout. Um, but still wanted to stay around the industry, whether it was, you know, working at a dealership or, um, never really gave it a thought to, uh, you know, to be a mechanic until, uh, the end of 12, my dad actually said something about it. Um, cause Walker, we've been, you know, buddies for 20, 20 plus years. He was actually in need of a mechanic then. And, uh, yeah, just all fell together, I guess. Um, I approached Walker and his dad at the end of, end of 2012 and, you know, told him, told him my plans and, you know, to step away from racing and, uh, you know, obviously still wanted to be around and, you know, he needed, needed a mechanic. So it was a, it was a good fit. And, and since you guys were already friends, you already had a, a, a form of terminology that you could work off of together to, to make his bikes work better. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you know, with my background in racing, um, you know, that, that helps. I feel like, you know, for us to work together, you know, he can tell me, you know, kind of what the bike's doing and, um, you know, we can work together to, to make it better. Um, and, you know, like I said, we, we've been friends for 20 plus years. So we knew, uh, knew how each other was. And, um, you know, I think we, we started the first year was a little rough, um, just, uh, you know, new program and, um, you know, trying to, obviously we were friends, but we never worked together. So I, I think that's, takes a little bit of getting used to, but, uh, yeah, we started in, uh, 14, 13, he got second. Um, and then 2014, he, uh, battled Chris Porch down the wire, down at the last race, um, for the championship. Fell short on that one, but, um, you know, it was a good year. So he got two, two, and then seven straight wins. Two, two, and then, uh, seven, seven championships right in a row. That's a pretty impressive resume you got going there, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, when you when, when you get in the top two and you've been doing it for nine seasons, um, yeah, that's uh, that, that's impressive. Uh, it, no matter whose book you're looking in, so uh, I, I'm impressed. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, um, Walker does all the work on the track, but you know, obviously. Uh, his bike has to get to the finish line. So I guess I'm, uh, responsible for that. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, a great nine years, great seven championships and, uh, looking forward to a couple more, hopefully. Beans that Walker's still fairly young. Um, and I'm sure that you guys have conversations about longevity of life and where he wants to go and how much longer he rides. I know he's got a new two year deal. Um, and you're in uh, on the next two years for sure. Uh, yeah, as far as I know, he hasn't uh, he hasn't told me otherwise. So um, <laughs> fingers crossed that uh, you know I'm still around, and you know at the end of two that that those two years, and you know obviously we, we have talks, and you know I'll uh, I think I'll be around. So um, at least for next year, he's uh, the way he's been talking at least. So well, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Job security is nice. <laughs> <laughs> it, it always is. So it, it, just off track a little bit, who would you say is your fiercest competitor? Because um, I know that 
he has a competitor on the track, but you might have a competitor in the pits that you have to deal with, um, or even a rivalry on the track that's somebody that 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 may stick a burr in your saddle. Um, I mean, obviously Bryce Neal's uh, you know, a big contender um for championships. And um, you know, him and him and Walker's been battling for you know, a couple of years. Um, and Bryson was making some pretty big strides, I think, this year, uh, until his injury. Um, I think it would have been uh, you know, an all out battle um for the most part all season. Um he he has had a couple, you know, mechanical issues um that's you know set him back a little bit. Um, but for sure Bryson, um, you know, honors definitely uh, you know, making strides towards uh being a championship contender himself. So um definitely those two guys and then i mean honestly there's a list of three or four other guys um in the pro class that could you know win at any point so it's uh definitely gonna be interesting 2022 do you seem to think that means that chris borich and adam mcgill and mcclure are seasoned veterans and they're still seem to be pretty fast do you do you see an uh, an unforeseen threat from them especially with Chris going to Yamaha? Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's, there's probably, you know, five or six other guys that could win at any point um, to be championship contenders. I don't know if, um, you know, you could really put some of them, get some of them guys, you know, in the hat for that, but um, definitely, you know, some race wins here or there, get the right, uh, right conditions, right, right day. Um, you know, you could definitely see Chris win another one. You could see Adam win one. Uh, you know, he's tough at the uh, West Virginia rounds like Snowshoe and uh, that Boy Scout camp. Um, he always seems to excel well there in uh, rocky conditions. And then, yeah, Jared, I mean, Jared's definitely a front runner. He's a, you know, top three, top four guy. Um, any given race, you know, he battled Hunter there for, you know, the number two spot all the way up till uh, the last round of Ironman this year. <laughs> Right. What's your what's your favorite place to go race? Um, myself, I I still like Ironman. I uh, I try to go out and race uh, the morning race at Ironman at the end of the year. If we got the championship wrapped up, good uh, good weather there, good dirt. I mean, track is so fun. Uh, it's fast, flowy. Um, yeah, I would I would go there and uh, race any day of the week. As long as it's not a complete mutter. If it's uh complete mutter, it's it's miserable. <laughs> Aren't all your races muddy? Uh not all not all of them. Not all of them. Um this year I think we locked out. We didn't really have uh too bad any any mud races really that I can think of. Snowshoe was a little bit uh a little muddy, but that's that place is always wet. Uh you're on muddy. <laughs> so all the springs and stuff, you can you can get some mud holes. Um I think, uh, but yeah, other than that, I don't, I can't remember a real bad mud race. Um, years past, we've had a couple of gnarly mud races. Um, seems like every, a couple of years you'll get, uh, you know, three or four or five mud races a year. And then, like I said, this year, you might lock out and get uh, pretty decent weather for all the rounds. Well, you've been to the West Coast. You've seen what we deal with on the West. And you've seen how clean Hunter's bike was at the end of the race. Um, you understand why I say you guys seem like you always are in the mud? Yeah, I can see that. Uh, you guys definitely have it made out there. I would, uh, I would love to wash bikes, um, you know, after those races all year round. Uh, I think it was probably a 20-minute cleanup for uh, the bikes after the works race at Prim and you know, sometimes I'll spend two, three hours washing a bike here after GNCC. So it's, uh, you guys definitely have it made out there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a whole different world. Uh, what did you think of the work series? Oh, uh, it was good. Turnout was awesome. Um, I didn't really expect the turnout to be that good, but, um, yeah, I mean, pro class of stacked. I think there was what, 12, 15 guys, I think in the, in the pro class, um, Obviously, there was, you know, three or four of us from the East Coast that was out there, but still, um, big uh, big pro class. And, 
definitely a different, different type of racing than, you know, than we're used to. Hunter was saying that uh, he don't think he left fourth gear uh, all race. Um, you know, obviously East Coast stuff, we're not used to that. Um, we're more second, third. Sometimes you click fourth, fifth to get on in, into some of the open fields. But um, so, yeah, track was definitely different. Um, but, yeah, you guys were all all welcoming and uh, it was fun to go out there and check it out and definitely like to go back and uh, check out a couple more. That's pretty awesome. We'd love to have you guys out there because it's it. it it does bring a different dimension when some of the fast guys from back East, whether it's motocross or woods come out and, and race with us. Um, I think that we get the least amount of respect out of the three main series in the, in the U S and uh, uh, it, it, uh, it definitely hurt a little bit when Joel came out and, and whooped up on us. Uh, but then again, it didn't because it's Joel, you know, yep. It'd be like Chad coming out and doing it too. It's how can you look down on that? I mean, the guy, those two guys are probably the fastest two men on the planet on a quad. Yeah, definitely. That and I think uh, which Joel raised Blen Helen, right? So yeah. that was more of a, I guess more motocross um, style that he's used to. So I guess that's uh, not taking anything away from Ben or from Bo, but that uh, kind of didn't surprise me that uh, Joel went out and um, did did really well. But, uh, you know, it looked like uh, Bo held in there and even picked up on it the, the last couple laps, was able to reel Joel back in. So I think maybe uh, from what I heard, a couple more laps, Joel, uh, Bo might have been able to give Joel a run for his money. Uh, maybe, maybe. But you're also talking about a guy that's super smart, that monitors everything. And, you know, he did come out. And, and, and I'll admit it was more a, a track lent to his skill set, but he still had to mm-hmm. come to our world. Uh, in our environment and do our thing oh, definitely. Our time frame. and, and he, and he did great. I mean, I, uh, I didn't get to see him at the finish line, uh, like some other people did. Um, so I couldn't, I can't comment on that, but you know, Bo's always that guy that at the end of the race, he always saves enough to, to make sure that he can have that battle. Yep. Definitely. He's, uh, he's definitely experienced and at what, uh, 40, 41 years old. Um, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely been, you know, through, through the races enough and knows what it takes to, uh, get it done at the end. So it was impressive watching the race out at, uh, out of Prim. Yeah. I, uh, I always, you know, I don't care if you're a fan, you're a fan and, and it's hard not to be a fan of Bo Barron's. He's, he's a nice guy. He rides good. He's clean and he takes care of the fan base, you know? Definitely. Definitely. That's, that's a big part of it these days. Yes, it is. It's a huge part of it. You have to, he's, he's a little, he's a little tough on the social media, but I think his daughters are helping him, you know, and, and his wife uh, can get in there and, and take care of some of that as well. Yep. So, so he's got some, he's got some good backup. Um, Johnny Gallagher really impressed with a his ability to communicate and get his point across um is he like that when you're working on his stuff is is he able to communicate with you at the same level oh yeah definitely johnny's definitely a uh he's well spoken um i think we say it all the time that he could sell the pope a bible um <laughs> he's been uh he's always been you know uh well spoken and um it's definitely helped him, you know, in his career. I mean, he's definitely, uh, I don't think he's ever worked a real job in his life. You know, he's, he's always been working with sponsors and, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, that, that transpires into, you know, working on stuff. If, uh, there's a problem, he can, uh, tell me exactly what it's doing and we can get it, get it resolved. You did an amazing job with his bike for that race because he looked in my opinion, he looked really, really good. You know? Yeah. He looked great. Um, we kind of set it up, um, not for Prim. Uh, we set it, set the bike up for Habitu because he did that round, that opening round, um, beginning this year. So that's what he was, you know, basing, um, his what his setup needed to be because he run his West or his East Coast setup at uh, Habitu. Um, so we uh, went out on Saturday for practice. Um, 
and it wasn't quite where it needed to be as far as bike setup. So we uh, made a few few adjustments and went back out, and he said it definitely helped. Um, so come come race time on Sunday, um, you know we had it had a pretty good setup. I think it still could have been better, um, but you know each time you go out there, you, you definitely learn something new. And um, you know obviously this East Coast stuff, we've been we've been doing it forever. You know Johnny's twenty seven years in the pro class, so. He knows his way around a woods track. Um, still learning, I think the works, you know, the works layout, but uh, definitely getting it each time we go out there. Well, the fact that he's out there doing it is pretty amazing, and and you, you must you know your way around shocks because all three of those bikes worked really well. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm, uh, you know, the best out there, and I there's definitely still a lot I can learn, but um, you know, I did a lot of my own stuff um back when i was racing um got to got the pleasure of working with uh jay gobel with uh elka and impact solutions and you know he taught me a lot about what i know about shocks now and um obviously johnny's great with shocks he has a lot of knowledge and um been able to work with him over the years and a little bit with bill balance and then ryan smith with uh bnr motorsports those were uh we're running his spring shocks this year so Definitely had a lot of knowledgeable people in my corner to, uh, you know, if there was anything I needed to, to ask at any time, I can, you know, pick up the phone and, you know, make a couple phone calls. And um, and even William Oakley, um, you know, I rode for him for two years and um, he was really, really good with shocks as well and learned a lot from him as well. Yeah, I was just talking to William a few days ago and we got into a little bit of that conversation. I knew that he did a lot but I didn't know that he did that much. I mean, yep. he got deep, deep into it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I haven't, uh, I haven't talked to William in a while, but uh, he's definitely a cool dude, cool guy. And, uh, you know, I valued, you know, the time I, I spent with him riding for him and uh, yeah, he's a good guy for sure. I think it'd take him a bit to get back in racing shape, but uh, <laughs> you know, he's a shape, you know, is <laughs> <laughs> What you saying? Uh, round is a shape. <laughs> yes, round is a shape. We're all a little round, but but you know, <laughs> William was always just a strong, uh, stout guy, and uh, I'm sure he's still strong, but he's a little a little soft now. Yep. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm only gonna tell him that from across the country. I'm not gonna go there and tell him that to his face. <laughs> yep. He'd probably laugh about it anyway. So. Oh, he would. He would. <clears throat> so. When you're prepping a bike, um, where are some of your focal points? I mean, that, that you go to first. Um, obviously, you know, washing a bike after the race, you get a good, good look at, um, you know, if there's anything damaged, um, obviously from the outside, um, like Walker stuff, we do top ends every race. So we, uh, pull the motors apart. I think that's the first thing, um, after we get it washed up, I, I yank the top end off. And, um, I mean, there's typically not anything wrong with them. Um, we just mainly do it just for uh, insurance purpose. Um, so we yank the top ends apart, send the heads out. Uh, we send the heads to Moto Experts every race. He just goes through them, checks all the guides, all the valves, um, you know, just does a, does a once-over on them. And then uh, I just go about, uh, you know, prepping the rest of the quad, do uh, pull the shocks, service them if they need it um bikes honestly pretty much get just just stripped down dang near to the bare frame every race um don't typically have to pull bottom ends there's been a few races where we have to do that but uh we only run these bikes three or four races so bottom ends on on the yamahas are pretty stout um but yeah just go through everything clean grease all the bearings uh clean all the controls change cables check clutch well change of clutch um but that's about it i mean it's i guess it's like clockwork now i, I think i can do them uh do them in my sleep if i had to I, i've done enough of them so does does the you said you only run them three or four races does that mean that you get a brand new bike or do you take it out of the rotation and strip it and reprep it and and bring it back uh, fully freshened uh, for Walker, we only race them three or four races, um, and then they become practice bikes um, that he rides around the house or takes local races, stuff like that. He'll put 50, 60 hours on them, and then we'll 
retire them for good and we'll uh, completely strip them down, redo everything and send them down the road. Nice. But uh, race bikes wise for GNCC, yeah, we only race on like three races, sometimes four. And how many races in a series? Uh, there's 13 GNCCs. So we typically go through three to four bikes a year. Wow. I know that the Yamaha platform is, is good because you have the guys that obviously can't do that race the same machine freshened multiple years. Yeah, definitely. Um, Johnny runs, he'll get a full season out of his bikes. He's not, uh, not very hard on him. Um, Hunter gets, he'll build probably, I think two, two bikes a year. Um, he'll normally, uh, use one bike from the year before for a couple of rounds, maybe like the Florida round or, you know, some mud races, keep, uh, keep an older bike for that, that kind of stuff. And then build, uh, two fresh ones for the year. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the Yamaha, Yamaha has built a, an awesome platform, um, for us. Um, you know, the motors are stout on them, the transmissions, um, you know, the whole, the whole bike, I mean, um, really can't go wrong with, uh, buying the Yamaha. Have you dealt with any other manufacturers? Um, I actually rode for Players um, in 2009. What's that? I'm sorry. <laughs> we won't uh, we won't dig too deep into that, but uh, yeah, rode for uh, Players with uh, with William and Nine. Um, but as far as dealing with the you know a factory myself, uh, it's just been Players and Yamaha. Um, I rode a a Honda, a better, the better part of my career. Um, so spent a lot of time, you know, working on Hondas as well, but, uh, the last decade has been on, uh, Yamaha's. That's pretty awesome. You know, yeah. to, to, to get to work on the same platform for that many years. Um, I, you know, I've spent a lot of time with the Hondas and, and not as much with the Yamaha. Um, and I would be, I was reluctant at first with the Yamaha, Cause I didn't know it. Yep. But after spending a few seasons with it, I could jump right over to that platform. No problem. You know? Yep. It's definitely, uh, definitely easy machine to work on. Um, obviously there's, you know, it's got, uh, got some corks or whatever you want to call it, just like any, uh, any other, uh, machine out there. But you know, once you, once you get into them and start working on them and it, they're no different than all the other ones. I mean, they're, uh, pretty simple to work on. I think it's just as simple to to work on the Yamaha as it is the Honda 450. I mean, obviously you got the fuel injection and stuff on the Yamaha, but uh, from a mechanic side, I guess, or mechanical side of it, um, you know, they're they're just as both easy to work on, and um, you just got to figure out what makes them tick. The only the only part that's the difficult part on the Yamaha is the injector body. Once you you, you got to get in that little tight space to put that injector body in where the Honda's got more room. Yeah. Um, seems like too with, I don't know what uh, Yamaha you worked on, if it had still had all the, you know, the emissions and stuff like that, which, you know, obviously all the, the race bikes and stuff, we, we delete all that stuff. So Same. it definitely makes it easier to, uh, you know, get the throttle bodies in and out um, without all that stuff. But yeah, they can, uh, they can be a little tricky. Um you can still squeeze them out without pulling anything. Um, obviously, you got to pull the intake and the airbox out, but uh, sometimes it's easy just to pull the top shock bolt and play it back, and you can squeeze the throttle body out easier that way. Yep. And also, other times, I mean, too, pretty much the only time we take the throttle body off is uh, when we have the you know top ends apart to uh, redo those. So once the top ends off, you can really get it out easy, but. Uh, yeah, if you're not pulling any of that stuff off, it can be a little bit tricky, but there's definitely uh, definitely ways to get it out. Exactly, exactly. But it, 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 overall, it's a good platform. Is there any anything that you could tell about your machine that's not giving away a secret? You know, something specific that you do that's, that might be different than your most of your competitors? Um. I don't know if there's really a whole lot of secrets that we do. I mean, there might be a little, couple little things here or there that uh, that I won't comment on. But uh, for the most part, I think there there's not a whole lot of secrets that we uh, that we do. I mean, that and 
we've sold enough of bikes over the years and we sell them the way that uh the way that walker races them so there's definitely a few uh few old bikes out there that uh i'm sure they've gotten in the hands of you know maybe some of the competitors or or whatnot but uh i don't know if it really makes that big a difference i think it all comes down to the rider too and um you know the machine definitely makes a you know makes a difference but uh the end of the day you gotta have a a rider that can uh to make it work the way it's supposed to yeah he seems to make good decisions yeah definitely uh walker's definitely very calculated um you know he's definitely i think probably he's gonna go down as probably one of the best um that's ever done it obviously bill and uh you know chris are definitely right there and um bill taught walker a lot of you know what walker knows and Walker was fortunate enough to to have those couple of years with Bill to, you know, to learn. And, um, you know, I think he definitely listened. And you can see, especially dealing with suspension and stuff, Bill was very good, very knew what he was doing um, with suspension. I think he was probably one of the best, one of the best out there with doing suspension. And, and uh, you can definitely tell that Walker listened when he was around Bill those couple of years. And you can see it, uh, you know, he'll come back and tell me, what the bike's doing and you know it's there's there's definitely times that you can tell it's not just um you know the unaverage person talking about suspension he he definitely knows knows his way around the shock so right he's giving you he might not know the internals of it and how to take it apart but he uh he can tell you what the bike's doing for sure and that's that's really good let's go and direct this back at you a little bit so you spent time with your dad working with Kim Coonley in the garage. Um, is there anybody else or any other mechanics that you could, that you could relate to that you looked up to as a, as someone for guidance and, and to help you other than your dad? Um, mechanic wise. No, not really. I mean, um, obviously when, when I was, you know, racing myself, my dad said from the get go told told me and my brother both, you know, hey, if you guys want to race on the weekends, you need to, you know, you need to learn how to work on your quad. So, you know, he worked a full-time job and he was racing himself. So he had to work on his own stuff and help Kim. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he definitely helped us out along the way and, you know, the bigger projects, but uh, we definitely, you know, did a lot of the stuff on our own. And um, I can remember one time, I don't know how, how old I was, probably 12 or 13, um i was out in the garage working on my quad and i stripped the bolt out or something and uh <laughs> I, prior to that i think if we if we stripped the bolt out you know dad uh kind of yelled at us and you know tried to to get us to learn not to do that and you know watch what we were doing and i he must have yelled at me enough times that i didn't want to tell him so uh he wasn't in the shop that night and i was uh working on the quad stripped the bolt out and so I got the helicoil kit out myself and started helicoiling the, the bolt hole and he walked out and he's like, well, what, are you, what are you doing there? I said, well, I, I stripped the bolt out, so I'm fixing it myself. So you didn't have to yell at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he obviously taught us a lot. And then, you know, there was, I didn't, I didn't go to school to be a mechanic. Um, you know, obviously my dad taught me a lot and the rest was, you know, self-taught and, you know, suspension stuff, you know, I learned from, you know, like I said, Jay Goble and Go Balance and William and Johnny and, you know, all them guys. So a lot of it's all self-taught. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't know everything, but uh, I feel like you can definitely learn something new every day. If, uh, if you don't know how to do something, just take it apart and figure out how it goes back together. <laughs> there's so much truth to that what's your favorite tool to use favorite tool to use uh i don't know i don't know if i really have a I guess the impact wrench i mean they're fun they're uh <laughs> make the job quicker you definitely gotta watch you might be able to, you might strip something out but uh i try not to uh you know, tighten things with an impact, I guess. Um, I've just learned over the years that you can definitely strip something out easy. So, but definitely taking, taking stuff apart uh, definitely helps speed up the process. I wasn't, we, we didn't use impacts in my world until I was very, very, very seasoned. <laughs> yep, I can see that. 
deep past my 30s. <laughs> you there's, know. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, you can definitely, uh, it could definitely cause more harm than, uh, than good um, if you don't know what you're doing. So I can, I can see that. Coming from the, the two-stroke world where I was 250Rs and Banshees mostly at that time, uh, you know, some LT500s, you, you, your machine was different to the point I think there was less to work on, less to touch. Mm-hmm. So it, you could do more of it by hand and it was just as fast. You know, you still had to torque your specific bolts that, that did this or did that. But yep. your hand tools were pretty much everything we used. Um there's been some other changes. I mean, the quality of the impacts we use now. Wow. I mean, they're, when we first got them, they were junk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've, they've definitely come a long ways. Um, obviously now they got, you know, different torque settings that you can, uh, you know, turn them down. So they're not as, as torquey and you're less likely to snap bolts off with them. So they've definitely come a long way. That's for sure. Yeah, I tell anybody, any anybody that's asking questions or a dad that that's doing it, do it by hand. Yep. And and I'll see him three days later. Uh, well, I got this problem. Yeah, you did. You didn't do it by hand, did you? <laughs> well, no, I, I was. You were in a hurry, and just ran that thing down there, rah, and it just <laughs> the head right off of it. Walker's uh, Walker's good for that. He says cross threads are better than no threads, and. scares me every time he picks up an impact when he's working in the shop with me (laughs) you actually let him work on your bike uh he he can do a good good amount of stuff on his practice bike he'll uh do oil changes and actually it's funny we we talk about that i thought he could do an oil change until last week um we were in the shop working on a practice bike getting ready to go to florida and i turn around he starts laughing i said what's so funny he says well, I started putting the oil in, but the drain plugs are right here on the bench. <laughs> you put a quarter of oil in the motor before you realize you forgot to put the drain plugs back in, and there was a quarter of oil on the floor of my shop. <laughs> oh, nice. So you guys live pretty close together. Uh, he's about 35, 40 minutes from, from here. Shop's at my house now, so uh, I get to get to work from home, and he comes up every now and then, maybe once or twice a week, and helps out doing practice bike stuff or whatever. So yeah, he comes out, comes up and hangs out here and um, he'll go on the floor here soon. So he won't be around, but I get to get to have him help me a little bit here. So it helps. Do you go down to Florida and work with him and test and things like that? Yeah, I'll go down. Uh, I don't spend the whole winter down there. Um, I got to build bikes and stuff up here, but uh, I'll typically go down for a couple of days in January, maybe a week, week or two just depends on what all we got going on and how much stuff he breaks down there when I'm not there. Um, but yeah, I'll go down for at least a week or so, um, in January and then try to go down another week or a couple of days, first of February, uh, before the season starts. And then we'll, before the first round, we'll go down about a week early, test race bikes, um, finalize any setup changes that we got suspension and stuff, whatever. And then, uh, Last couple of years since we've been um, starting South Carolina, we'll go to South Carolina a week early, do that race, and then there's a weekend off. We'll end up just driving down to Florida, spending those two weeks down in Florida, um, testing sand setup, whatever, prepping race bikes, and then uh, do the Florida race. And then the weekend after, we got Georgia, and then come home. So we're, we're gone about a month. So we spend a good amount of time down in Florida then um, between those first couple of rounds. How does your wife take that? Uh, she's all right with it. She actually told me the other day that she, uh, she likes when I go, <laughs> go to the race. She likes her alone time too. So, um, but now it works. She, uh, she doesn't mind it. She's got, uh, she's got her own, own work to do. And, um, she's a physical therapist assistant by day. And, uh, she actually coaches competition cheerleading, um, in the evenings and weekends. So she, uh, this time of year, she's traveling for that as well. So it, uh, keeps her busy. So you guys got a full full boat on both sides. Yep, definitely, definitely. So let, let me ask you an in-depth question here. Um, I've never been blessed to be just a race mechanic. I always have had another job that was involved with that, but it wasn't 
just being able to work on the, the physical race bikes. Uh, describe what that's like a little. Uh, it's it's a dream come true for sure. I mean, it's a dream job, I think, to anybody. Um, obviously, get to work from home now too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, to to work in a you know the industry that you've grown up loving. Um, obviously, being a race mechanic wasn't, um, I guess, in my plans growing up. Obviously, I wanted to. To be the guy racing, um, you know, making a living, but uh, sometimes that always doesn't doesn't always work out uh, the way you want it to. Um, so th- this is definitely the next best thing, and um, you know, I get to good work every day, loving loving what I do, and um, I wouldn't change it for the world. So you get up in the morning, you have your coffee, and then you just step into your office. Yeah, I come out to the shop here about eight o'clock every day and work till five and go back in the house. So it's, it's kind of nice. That's incredible. I'm jealous. <laughs> totally jealous. I think there's a few people that are jealous, but uh, no, it's great. Um, like I said, wouldn't change it for the world and definitely been blessed with, uh, you know, the life that I live and um, can't picture myself doing anything else. Uh, that's, that's just, that's incredible. Um, I, uh, I have always dreamed of that. And at my age, I don't think it'll ever happen because, uh, you know what, uh, I'm not uh, a young guy like yourself. And, um, as you get older, you know, you get, you get worked into situations where it's just not feasibly going to happen. And plus the economics in our industry don't, don't generally allow it anymore. Very few people do it. Definitely. I can't say that it's going to last forever, but uh, definitely going to ride it as long as I can. And uh, hopefully that, uh, you know, hopefully I can do this the rest of my life. That'd be awesome. Um, But we'll see. Definitely. Like you said, the ATV industry is hit or miss sometimes right now. I feel like it's, uh, it's probably the best it's ever been. Um, I think not to get into the whole COVID thing, but I think that uh, did the the industry a lot of good. Um, you know, companies are are booming again, and you know, can't keep product on the shelf, and you know, hopefully that uh, stays around for for years to come. Hopefully it doesn't, uh, you know, taper back off. Um, but for right now, it's it's great. Industry's like I said, booming. I think ATV racing as a whole is, you know, better than it's ever been. And maybe not all the, you know, factories are still in it like it, like it was 10 years ago, but I think it, at some point, I think it'll come back around and hopefully, uh, you know, Honda and Suzuki and maybe a couple of the other ones will, will get back into it and start making sport quads again. If, if you were going to expect one of the manufacturers you know, if you had to take a guess, which one do you think it would be that would come back first? I think Honda would definitely be the one to hopefully come back. Um, obviously, they've been in it the longest, I think. Um, I mean, Suzuki was in there, too. Um, but as far as being competitive, I think Honda's been around longest um, and had a competitive platform, obviously, with a the 450R and um, yeah, it'd be nice to see them come back out with something new, um, something fuel injected to, to compete with the, the Yamaha. And I think it would just do everybody good. I think it, uh, you know, you get one, one more factory involved. Um, I think it would change the game and, um, you know, get some of the other, other factories to, to jump back on board and, you know, produce something new. And I think it would do the sport a, a lot of good. Dude, I would take the exact same quad they stopped making in 14. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. definitely outdated, I think, um, compared to the, the Yamaha. But, hey, if, if they started making again, um, you know, give give uh, people options. Well, you've, seen, bad thing. you've seen them on the West Coast, and and that's what we ride. I mean, it, it – the Yamaha is a great machine and I've seen the Yamaha in that environment do really, really well. Mm-hmm. But in that style environment, the Honda chassis just allows it just seems to work just a smidge better. Yep. 
yeah, I mean, definitely uh, the Honda's been strong out there. And up until, you know, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I mean, Honda was still the number one quad, I think, on the East Coast um, or in GNCC. Um, it wasn't until probably, I don't know, maybe 15, 16, probably a year or two after Honda stopped, you know, producing um, a new 450. I think that's when, you know, Yamaha took over the market shares. And, um, you know, now if you go to GNCC, I bet it's 65% Yamahas on the starting line, if not more. Uh, pro class, there's anywhere between 13 and 15 guys, and there's two, I think, that's going to be on the front line next year that's going to be on another manufacturer other than a Yamaha. And that's, I think, uh, Honda. There'll be two Hondas on the front row. Does McClure still ride a Honda? Yeah, McClure and uh, McGill. Those uh, are the only two. switched over to Yamaha? He said he's red till he's dead. Okay, well. You know, I mean, you got you got to you got to have convictions. I mean, trust me, I'm a diehard Honda guy. I got a whole I got a whole fleet of them in my, in my shop out there. But yeah. uh, I'm not opposed to going and switching to yellow. I mean, blue. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just gave my age away. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it. I just want to go race. I mean, I just want to build cool race bikes and go race. That's all I want to do. Yeah, definitely. So I now, agree. You see, I get to bench race now instead of going to the races for the most part. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that either. Reliving the reliving the old days, and hey, I, I hope I'm doing that when I'm when I'm your age. I, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions about um, a couple guys, and then you can just you know rattle it off for me. We'll start with the West Coast guys. Now we'll we'll start with Bo. You know, okay. just, just quick, quick, short spurt about Bo. Um. Definitely not the guy that I thought he would be. Um, he's definitely more easygoing. Um, definitely tell he likes to have a good time. Um, awesome rider, as we said. Uh, like I told him after the race, he was a beast because he uh, whooped up on us East Coast boys. I think it was two and a half, three minutes. I think he beat us by. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, definitely still has it at 41 years old. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Travis Damon. Travis, obviously, that was the first time I know uh, or first time I met him. But uh, hearing a little bit of his backstory coming from a dirt bike. And I don't know how long ago that was that he was, you know, full time dirt bike and then transferred over to the quads. But I like it. Um, it's impressive for, I'm going to say, a short time that he's been on a quad. He's definitely very skilled. And uh, I was impressed with the speed. You know, he was right up front with them guys and, uh, you know, battling for the podium. He rode the two-hour motorcycle pro event right before, so he hasn't finished. He's still racing pro motorcycles. I I I seen that, and that's even more impressive. Um, you could he was right up. I don't know where he ended up finishing the bike. I mean, I I feel like it was still top five, wasn't yeah, it? Not? He got eighth. He had a fuel pump failure. That's right. But still, um, to finish eighth and then literally hop off the bike, get on a quad, and do another hour and a half, it's it's impressive. Guy's got uh, a lot of talent um, and a lot of endurance, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, he was so glad. He said, because if they'd have caught him, he didn't have anything left for him. I was uh, – I seen he was doing the, the K-rail in the pro section, and uh, Hunter wasn't doing it at all. He hadn't tried it. And Hunter got within, I think, 10 seconds of him at the white flag. And I told Hunter, I gave him a pit board. I said, you got to do the K-reel. I said, Travis is right there. And uh, Hunter got hung up on it, and that was the end of it. So he couldn't uh, couldn't battle Travis, but it would have been uh, one to watch for sure, last lap. Between I, those think, two. I think that's the only thing that saved Travis and kept him in second was because, because he got hung up on the K-reel. You know, and Josh was right there too. I mean. Yeah. Definitely. Josh was, I think, uh, I think going into the last lap, I think it was about 15 or 20 seconds. But then with Hunter, um, you know, getting hung up on that, Josh was able to, to reel Hunter in. And them two had a, a good battle all the way down to the end. 
I've been watching Josh for, you know, internet wise. And then I got to talk to him on the podcast right after the Heartland challenge. And, and I just kept asking him, you know, what's going on, bud. I mean, you just seem like you have so much more. And then after the Heartland challenge, it's a whole new guy. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, you know, he's definitely been one to watch for years. And, um, you know, I think this year he's, he didn't have, I don't think any top fives, but he had his career best year with a, you know, six overall for the year. Um, a couple of years ago, I think he, he clicked off one or two top fives, um, but then seemed to, to drop back for whatever reason. But uh, hopefully he can, you know, coming off his best career, you know, season, hopefully he can, you know, f- um, take that in the next year and do, you know, do one better. Hopefully maybe he can put it in the top five for next year. He's definitely got a lot of talent and a lot of speed. And um, I think he's, you know, each year he's maturing a little bit more and a little bit more and you're finally starting to see it. And, um, you know, he's clicking off some solid drives like we've seen out the the works race. That's awesome. Walker Fowler. Like I said, calculated, um, very calculated. Um, yeah, he's probably going to be the best of all time. Um, you know, he's approaching Chris Borch's win record. I think he's seven behind Chris, um, which could very well, you know, Walker has a good year next year. He could definitely surpass Chris's record and, uh, um, you know, two more to go to tie to tie Bill's championship uh, record, and I know Walker wants to beat that one. So hopefully we can uh, get another three more under our belt consecutive and take uh, take over Bill's record. That'd be cool. That, that is pretty cool. Fill me in a little bit about Cole Richards. Cole, I actually had the had the pleasure of working with Cole. Um, he was when he was coming up through the ranks, his A-class year, about halfway through his A-class year, I took over uh, his program and wrenched on his stuff for the rest of 13 and 14. Uh, won an XC2 championship with him. And um, kids got a lot of speed, a lot of talent. Um, I think, you know, he could he could be a championship contender next year, maybe. Um, you know, he's definitely – been able to, you know, click off a couple wins here or there. I think he's, I don't know whatever, what it's been that uh, he hasn't been able to, you know, maybe put a whole season together to where he could, you know, battle battle Walker down the, the wire at the end for the championship. But he, he definitely can't count him out. He can uh, he could strike in any race and, you know, get a win. That's awesome. Wesley Wolf. You know, I don't know a whole lot about Wesley. Obviously, he's been racing, uh, you know, GNCC for a few years. But uh, I was hoping, you know, that you'd see more out of him than uh, than what we've got. I'm not saying he's a bad rider. He just seems like he's kind of tapered off to be that, you know, six, seven, eighth place guy um, and never really made much improvement. Um you know, to the top five or whatnot. I think this year he was he was having some good rides and, you know, getting close to the top five, but then obviously he got hurt at uh, the one motocross. And um, I read an interview not too long ago that he did with GNCC. It didn't sound like he was going to be doing a full season of GNCC next year. So, um, you know, I definitely give the, give the guy credit. I don't know how he does it. You know, full full GNCC, full full motocross. Guy can't have time to, to do anything. Um, you know, being gone every weekend racing, whether it's between GNCC, like I said, or, or Moto. Um, but it's, it's impressive that he's uh, been able to to race, you know, both pro classes. And um, I think he's finished top 10, you know, the last couple of years in both. So that's pretty impressive. Bill Balance. The GOAT. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, it's pretty impressive his his racing career that he had um, to go nine nine straight championships is 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 wild. Obviously, when uh, when you look back at when you know Barry was winning, he you know he uh, 
rattled off seven championships. You think, wow, how how can anybody you know beat that? And then Bill comes in and does nine. It's just uh, it's unheard of. I mean, really, it's. Uh, but now that Walker's coming up, um, you know he's he's clicking on the knocking on the door of Bills. Um, he's not there yet, but he's getting there. Um, but Bill was. I feel like Bill was calculated just like Walker was. And I think that's a lot. I think that's where Walker got it from, um, just from the time that he spent around him. Um, didn't have to win every race, but he was consistent, just like Walker is. Um, and consistency wins championships. It's it's proven. Um, don't have to be the fastest guy every race, but if you're on the podium, second, thirds, you can be there at the end of the year for a championship. Yep. Very Hawk. Um, obviously, I was young. Um, when when Barry's era was, um, so I don't really remember much of it, but I've gotten to know Barry um, quite a bit over the years, and, you know, it's cool to – be able to i mean i could pick up the phone call him if if i had a question um i'm sure he'd answer so it's cool to have you know a guy like that not uh obviously we're not the best friends but you know to know him and uh you know if i if i needed a had a question about something i could uh sure i could reach out to him he would uh, uh pick up the phone he's actually called me one or two times um Asked him about some tire stuff, so I thought that was pretty cool that uh, you know Barry Hawk, seven-time champ, um, you know was was reaching out to me at one point for for a question. So that, that's pretty cool. That is that is really cool. I've gotten to know Barry because you know that we were affiliated with Bob. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you have a miss. I had a misconception of who Barry was. I am. Okay. So- I am so glad that I got to spend some time on the podcast and talk to him because he's a, he's a, a, a really nice guy. I like, I like him and I enjoy his ability to tell the story and give his perspective on things. Um, and, and that was great for me, you know, beans that Definitely. I, I'm such, I'm still a, a diehard Bob Sloan fan. And um, that's my next question. Bob Sloan. Uh, again, I mean, that was, heck, that was, what year did Bob pass away? 92? 93? 94. 94? 94, I think. 93. 93. Okay, so I would have been only five or six at the time uh, when Bob passed away. Um, wish I would have, you know, been older at that time or, you know, been able to watch watch Bob, but from what everybody says, I mean, he was just a, a true true competitor, and um, he was he was the Iron Man. That's where the Iron Man GNCC got named after. He was just a he was a bulldog, and he was was a fighter till the end. I mean, to to have an accident, and you know, to have the the problems that Bob had uh, during that race, and still finish the race. You know, that that shows a lot about who uh, who Bob was as a as a person and as a competitor. You know, never never quit. Uh, I just a little insight from my side. Um, he there was two professional riders that had huge impacts on me when I was green, and it was Bob Sloan and Gary Denton. Okay, two two of the greats for sure. Yeah, it's cool just, to see uh, Gary. Uh, not to get off subject, but to get uh, inducted in the AMA hall of fame. That's, that's pretty awesome. It does a lot for the sport and hopefully, uh, you know, there's, there's more riders to come that get inducted for sure. Well, you know, you, you can go back. Let's just talk your world. Teddy Trey, first guy, 84, yep. you know, he should be there. Um, yep. Barry, uh, Chris, well, Chris can't go until he retires. But Barry and Bill, they should definitely be in there. Yep. You know, I'm trying to think uh, who some of the other guys. Would Norm Bish win one or two championships? Maybe. I don't know if you know that name. He was actually. Yeah, from, I do know Norm and uh, Norm Bish, Chuck Delulu. Yep. You know, yep. 
I've reached out to Chuck many times. He's this busy, busy guy. So he hasn't been able to sit down and talk with me. He really wants to do it face to face, which I love that. I love doing face to face, but you know, I'm on the West coast and everybody's on the East coast. Mark, thank you so much again. Well, thank you very much, Leonard. It's uh, I've enjoyed it and uh, hopefully I can come back on here again and talk more about uh, whatever it is we want to talk about. Exactly. You know, you know, I'll be reaching out, brother. You know it. Thanks, Leonard. I appreciate it. Like I said, we'll talk to you soon. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.